the, the, all of you guys, what what you do, what what you put your your bodies and your mind through. I don't think a lot of people actually realise what goes on. They just see a police car going out road or a fire engine and think, oh yeah, they're going to go deal with that. Uh, but then in reality, what you actually have to deal with is quite graphic. And then it was only one one case where I suddenly realised that the reason that was attracted to these cases was because I'd been through it myself. Now then Danny, it's, it's literally, there's Danny, he's famous, let's have a photo with Danny, um, and then we watch him, but it's not how many people come up and give you a cuddle and say, how are you doing? Is it what you yeah. need? Is it what I can do for you? But I would give every penny I have to feel the way that I do right now. That's because well. money is nothing. Yeah. <laughs> everyone so we are back again with your mental health gym your little weekly dose of all things exercising our minds and not our bodies don't I, worry, I got worried at first when we first did this because it was exercising but we've got a special guest here today all right and what what does he do come on he's a police interceptor <laughs> yeah. ben pearson has joined us from channel channel five wasn't channel it? five yeah police interceptors my lad george he, so we've been away on honeymoon all right this is why obviously guys we've, we've not been on for a couple of weeks and my mum's been staying here right? right and when i got back she says oh he's loving it she says he's got into a new routine he's, he's, he's having his tea and he's watching police interceptors and i just <laughs> laughed my head off because i knew we were getting you on Brilliant. and i said to george i says guess what when you're at school We've got one of them coming to house. So he's gutted today. Oh, I'm so he's not been able to meet you. I'll have to come back around another time and have yeah. tea with you. Yeah, chicken so. nugget and chips. So, what we're talking That's about, it. love? So, we're going to talk all things mental health with Ben and a bit more about your story and especially what it means to be a police officer and to struggle with your mental health. But then also, we'll also share our own experiences, myself as a journalist and yourself as a YouTuber, yep. and how we manage our mental health these big professional titles yeah um, because at the end of the day we're all quite open um and when you actually have a title that can put a lot of pressure on you so can you just introduce yourself ben because you've got lots of books out there lots of stuff going on it's pretty amazing what you've done since the channel five show thank you very much uh, I, I, I do try yeah ben pearson i served 19 years in west Yorkshire police um, 15 of them were in roads policing, so I was obviously driving the fast cars, um, motorcycle escorts for VIPs, dignitaries, royal family, things like that. Um, I was one of the main people on the Channel 5 show Police Interceptors, which obviously is watched now on Dave, Paramount, Cop Forces TV, still shown, our West Yorkshire one's still shown on Channel 5 all the and time. And mine. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, apparently. apparently. My <laughs> lad's watching you all the time, but he had it on the other day, didn't he? We're, we're coming home, he's got, he's got interceptors on. I'm thinking, this is this is just weird. Yeah. You <laughs> yeah, just like, have to tell him he has to still eat his tea downstairs and watch interceptors yeah, downstairs, yeah. Not, not his tea. Well, it's like meeting you, isn't it? It's, like, it's weird you see someone on TV and then or on, on YouTube and you meet them and you're thinking, like, this is weird. You sat with someone that you've, yeah. you've seen on the screen. I think it's, it's bizarre. So yeah, I mentally retired. Mentally, I medically retired from the police just to be diagnosed with complex post-traumatic stress disorder due to the amount of fatal collisions. Um, uh, if I can say dead children, things like that. And then, um, since retirement, I've wrote two best-selling books. Uh, the third book I released was number two on bestseller. So I can't have everything, can I? Two out of yeah. three ain't bad. 
uh, start the YouTube channel up, which obviously is not as good as yours, but it's still okay. But you, do you know something? So it's like the, obviously people know me, me and Sophie. We we do this this mental health gym. And what it's about basically is just us talking about our experiences for certain things. So, like, we'll talk, you know, one week we were talking about depression, one week we were talking about anxiety, one week we were talking about, you know, just basically in general how you're feeling. And, you know, we're not medical professionals, we don't we don't class ourselves as that, but it, we, we talk about real life experience. Yeah. And obviously, I know who you are, and I've watched the interceptors myself, uh, and, you know, you know the, the, the emergency services anywhere the police the fire the ambulance you know that the coast guard the, the, all of you guys what what you do what what you put your your bodies and your mind through i don't think a lot of people actually realize what goes on they just see a police car going out road or a fire engine and think oh yeah they're going to go deal with that uh, but then in reality what you actually have to deal with is quite graphic and then you know the aftermath of that and you having to live with that for the rest of your life and I, I can only imagine uh, that, that it's you know it's a traumatic thing to to, to do. Uh, so obviously the, the, the purpose of today is, is just to just touch on it a little bit because you know I think people can go to your channel and they can see because I've looked at the, some of your stuff and you and you go into quite detail yeah about different incidents that you've attended and how that has impacted your you mentally and and you know your mental well being. Uh, I know me and you had a conversation just before this and, and I were talking about, you know, when you live such a fa fast, high-paced life, yeah, you forget things and or you, you mask over things. And then obviously now that, that you're retired, uh, you know, you, you're actually thinking about yourself and you're thinking about your health and then you, you're thinking, you know, it might be, you know, your, your body might be saying to you, oh, I've had that twinge for ages, but I don't even know what it is. So, like, for myself, with my, yeah. with my, with my spleen problem, I didn't know what it was. I just thought I was getting a bit chub on for eating burgers. <laughs> but uh, it turns out I've got an issue with my spleen. So, you know, I think once you slow down in life and you actually reflect on what you're doing, that's, that's when you start to think, oh, my God. And, you know, thankfully... And, and and I say this with you know much respect. There's people like you that deal with these ordeals that we don't have to deal with. And yeah. it, you know, it's you know. I, before we get into, I just want to say thank you to be honest because you know uh, me and Sophie's not spoke about things, but we we had something go on, and you know it it was difficult because there were a lot of barriers in his way. But you know, for the medical people and and people that were there, they did the job. Yeah, they did the job, and it's you know you can sit and criticise people as much as you want, and you can say oh bloody help police are here, like people do, bloody pigs are here, and all this. But at the end of the day, when you need them, yeah, you're there. Uh, so I think it's you, Ben. Just just sort of explain about just briefly, if you can, what it's like to be retired now, what it's like to be trying to reflect on past incidents, what's happened, and how have you got through it. It's um, first of all, thanks for what you've said. It, it really does mean something. Um, it's very rare you have anyone say anything good. It's one of those jobs where no matter what you do, everyone's still got something negative to say. So it really does mean a lot. So thank you for saying that. Um, it's strange because you spend nineteen years of being told when you're eating, what to wear, when when you're working, when you can have time off, um, who you can see, who you can't see. Uh, even how to cut your hair, whether you can have a tattoo or anything. It's yeah. 19 years of being in a disciplined service, which is what you join, and I understand that. That's fine. But then when you come out, you have a massive loss of identity. You don't know who you are as a person. Um, 
you, you struggle to think on a on a normal day to day basis because not only is the mental health issues overpowered me, but then it's little things like you don't see the 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 friends that you yep. you spent nineteen years with because they're in a different clique now to what you're in. Um, when you're out that circle of trust as well, it's like it's not paranoia, but it's the fact that they can't trust you with information that they've got as yep. well, which is fine because you're not in that role anymore. But yeah, you lose yourself because you don't have anything. Um, how can I put it? A, 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 someone in emergency services runs towards the danger. Yeah. And I know it sounds a, a bizarre fact, but when something happens, respect, respective of what it is, they'll always run to it. Whether it's a house fire, it's a car crash, it's someone knocked down, someone in water struggling, you always run to that danger wherever people run away. And then when you hang your uniform up, regardless of what emergency service you're in, you feel like you're kind of redundant. You f- yeah. feel like you've got no nowhere to go you feel like you've got no uh, purpose in life anymore you're thinking I, I should be doing this but i don't yeah can I, can I just ask so obviously on that point there that when you've hung your uniform up have you had situations where you, you've seen things go wrong or people doing things that's going to cause them danger and have you had that urge to jump back into to, to that skin if you like and, and get back into it because that must be difficult yeah when and then like if, if you then see emergency services going to an incident and you'll think oh i could help out here but but i can't yeah no like for only other week i think it was three weeks ago i was going to the gym and i set off on bingley bypass where i live big dual carriageway road 70 mile an hour limit uh and as i'm going one way as i look over into the carriageway on the other side of the road there's just someone just laid there unconscious the cars have stopped and it turned out it were cyclists that were knocked down um, the people stood round him, and instantly, as soon as you look over, I look over from a police officer's point of view. It looked like the people didn't know what they were doing; they were just stood there looking, um, and there were actually no one tending to this person. So instantly, I've rung nine nine nine. I've outlined the fact of who I am. I says, "You've got a, someone in lane one. Uh, traffic stop looks like a knockdown." And instantly, made I wanted to turn the car around, go down the opposite carriageway, and then help. Um, not only is it not my job anymore, but with the trauma I've faced and with the illness I've got, I might have done something wrong. Yeah. Um, that's why I've retired. That's why I've medically retired. Because it's not that I can't be trusted to deal with it. It's my, It massively might affect me, might affect my progress in where I've got to. Yeah. It's been nearly three years since I've retired. And the amount of tablets and the amount of therapy that I've gone through, um, you might just regress straight back. They might have a, a traumatic wound that you don't want to see. Yeah. They might pass away in your arms. Um, but I wanted to go. It's it's like a, a moral compass. It's something that's built inside yeah. you at all times to be able to turn around and say, I want to go help. But you've got to sometimes sit back and think, there's only so much you can do now. Yeah. Um, it, it's different if you saw an old lady getting mugged or you saw someone getting attacked. That's completely different. This is a fact where you decide, do I put myself in that predicament or not? And I think that's a massive yeah. uh, um, a demon you need to overcome when you retire. And especially... No matter who it is, ambulance, police, fire, RNLI, once you retire, you start thinking, I've still got that inside me. If I saw someone getting attacked, that's different. If I saw someone being in, injured there, yeah. that's something every human should get involved in. But whether I want to go out on my own life path now and turn around when there were already people there, all I could have done is done some more first aid, but you don't know if anyone's a doctor or a nurse, yeah. an off-duty firefighter. An off-duty. So I, I thought, right, I'll go. I've done my bit. I've phoned it in. Yeah. Um, and I've done my bit, and then that's what, and ironically, I was the first person to phone it in, so I don't know what the So all, all the other people were just stood about. Just stood about. Probably in shock, and, yeah. and, and again, that's the thing, I think, 
you know, you, you've hit the, the nail on the head there that, you know, you straight away, your instincts kicked in and you've looked from a police officer's point of view, but also you know yourself now that you've got limitations to what you can do yeah. to the job, but also for your own mental well-being. What, what, you know, what, what you've got to think about is your mental well-being, you've retired, you've had all these traumatic things. And I think if, if, if people just, you know, just spend a bit of time if they want to know about in depth more about what you've been through is just to, to watch your channel and, and, and watch some of the stuff. Cause like I say, I, I've watched it and I know you haven't, it's quite upsetting, Yeah, you know, not just the stories, but I would actually watching it thinking of you as a person and thinking, how would I deal with that? Yeah. Yeah. Because I think as well, when your mental health is fragile to then deal with other people's health is very, very difficult. And yeah. I know as a journalist, when I was at the BBC, I wasn't even on the scene sometimes. It was even just getting the constant news reports of what I had to write about, whether there'd been house fires or even down to somebody accidentally knocking kids over on a road. I then went home and started to get paranoid that if I ever edged a kid, that was it. I'd knocked kids over and to an obsessive point. And I wasn't even on the scene then and that impacted my mental health. How do you, like? well, how did you at the time when you were in the police force, was there any support or did you have anyone to reach out to? I think it's in the police, it's it's very closed in. It, it, it's, it's getting better because we do a lot of lectures with the police now. But it's still very closed in because it's a, it's an alpha male, alpha female scenario. It's all, everyone's wearing this uniform. You phone 999, we will come, we will deal with it. Mm. So to show weakness or to show vulnerability is something you don't really want to do because your colleagues... A lot of your colleagues won't know how to react around it. So you have this black sense of humour um, or dark sense of humour. It's one of those, if you don't laugh, you'll cry. So if you see something, a lot of people go back to office, you'll have a laugh about it rather than saying, that's really affected me. Um, there weren't a lot of um, things in there when I were in there, to be honest with you. I mean, um, I've met Lou Camber, a founder of Andy's Man Club. He's a great bloke. He's been on my podcast before. Um, and we've spoken. I told him that when we're in the police, on the back of the toilet door, when, sorry sorry to say this, but when you're having a poo, there were a sticker saying, and his man club, and everyone fought it like a bowling club. Right. So, you know, like a, for a bowling league. And no one really understood what it was. Um, so there were things about but no one actually talked about it, and that's why the dynamics of when I've retired now, that's why I've done what I've done to get people in the emergency services to talk about it. And it has, it has reached far and wide, but there's still so much they can do. There's so much... Um, there's so much, I'm not saying negativity, but there's so much negative scenarios that present themselves in emergency services. And it's hard for them to stand up and put their hand up and say, I've seen that and I'm struggling. Yeah. I've seen that and I don't like it because instantly people think you've been withdrawn or straight off frontline duties. And you won't be. It's just the fact that sometimes I wanted to have an arm around me and yeah. say it's normal to struggle in what you've seen. Um, I did rely on a lot of my friends, uh, Jack and Daniels, um, yeah. uh, Mr. and Mrs. Redwine. Uh, at the time, and you realise that's a slippery slope to go down yeah. when you are struggling. So one of the main things I do is uh, talking about it's uh, uh, just say for I, I don't know how many people can listen to this and say I I don't know who they are, but I'd be willing to sit down with anybody and just say, look, my name's Ben Pearson. I struggle with my mental health. What's wrong with saying that? I'm yeah. I'm Ben Pearson. I've seen something that's made me cry. I cried last night. I, I'm ex I'm exactly the same. Yeah. So I I can sit here and say I'm Danny Millen. I struggle with my mental health. I've sat down and cried. I did it just the other day yeah. because I think, you know, 
especially you know, there's a stigmatism around men and mental health and, and, and not being able to, you know, tell people about it and talk about it. And especially, I, I would think, if you're a police officer, you know, if you didn't, if you didn't, uh, you know, a job of, of sort of power and authority, you know, like 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 the emergency services, even for you know, for example, with COVID and NHS, uh, you know, I you know, thankfully we, we, we've got the NHS. And everybody was stood and, and clapping the NHS, but for me, it was clapping the whole emergency services because it wasn't yeah. just the NHS that were at work. And although they were, you know, people were seeing them as front line, you know, the police officers and, and the fire brigade, they didn't stop working. No, Do you know no, what I mean? They, didn't. They, they were having to manage all this in in the background and make sure that these centres get set up and that people are not going to be robbing this, that, and other and, and doing all that. Uh, but you know, for me, like the Andy's Man Club. Uh, I've not really had nothing to do with Andy's Man Club, to be honest. Obviously, I know about it, I know what it is, and I'd like to like to get involved. Uh, but I'm involved in a few other mental health charities. So, like, just going back to what you were saying before about being part of that team. So, obviously, I spoke to you and said, like, later on, I'm playing rugby. And <laughs> I don't know why I'm playing rugby, because I'm <laughs> absolutely useless. Uh, but it's all for uh, a charity, right? Life for a kid. And, and, and they raise money. It's ex-rugby players, and they're playing rugby, and they're raising money for kids, for operations, for things that they need. But the other thing of it as well is, is that he's actually helping the mental health of these players because what what they've said when I've spoken to them is exactly the same as you, that, you know, seven days a week, they're part of a team, they're going in, they're, they're training together, they're eating together, they're socialising together, but then all of a sudden they're retired and it's gone. And they're not going to that training session and they're not going for coffee with boys and they're not out doing this. So it's like, right, well, what do we do? It impacts the mental health. So they do this to get one to get back in the game and have a bit of fun, but two to get that brotherhood back yeah. together. Uh, but it's not just men. I mean, I know tonight there's there's a there's a, a female rugby player playing with us as well on our team because it's the Brilliant. same for her. She's she's retired, you know what I mean, and she's doing a little bit on TV and stuff like that. But uh, you know, she still misses the game. Yeah. So it's you know it it impacts everyone. In every job, like your paths have crossed, but like as a journalist and police and incidents, obviously you you reported on these things. I know people that have. What about you? How did like you know things affect you? How, your mental health with your job. I think the thing, and I'm sure you can relate, Ben, is you see the worst of life, so you see the worst yeah. of people, the worst of life, the worst situations, and for me, I think maybe because I'm neurodivergent, the thing that I found too much was you get constant news feeds, so they're called wires, constantly coming through about different news breaking or this going on. You never know what your day is going to look like because when I was working on breaking news, you just have to go out to the scene of the crime or or even sometimes you get there before the police, but you have to be like, you have to make yourself wait for the police. So there's been a number of crimes, I've stories I've worked on, but I've had to inform the police because obviously then it becomes a police matter, and if I then interfere, interfere, there's an issue. Um, but I think in all sorts of professions, that's where our kind of label comes off, because whilst I went on autopilot for years, especially when I was doing investigative and like undercover journalism, um, I was just on it. And then it was only one, one case where I suddenly realised that the reason that was attracted to these cases was because I'd been through it myself. Yeah. And I'd never never actually like realized and I think it's those moments that you then have to decide can I keep going or is it time for me to change and for me 
I was fortunate that there was enough different things within journalism that I could change too. So I went to more lifestyle features, less breaking news. Um, but I think like you were both talking about being a male in a profession. Um, and I think that's particularly that has even more barriers because for me, it sounds awful, but I had an excuse of like, I'm pregnant at the moment it's a perfect example and I've never had people ask me so many times are you okay yeah. are you all right looking after me yeah and I feel better than ever to be honest yeah. mentally physically but then when you've got some mental health issue and on paper I was working for national tv channels I was reporting sometimes on camera and you know on paper I looked fine yeah um and that's, I think, for me, that's been almost a helpful thing is the fact that because I am a mother, that has helped me to actually explain how I feel about things. Because I was wondering about you as well, Danny. I know you've not been, like, on the scene of crimes, but you have, like, lived life on the breadline and been under a lot of pressure at num a yeah. number of times in your life. I mean, to, to, to be honest, I've, I've talked about things, different things, different situations, but... I don't mind. I don't mind putting it out there and saying it. You know, when when I met you, uh, I probably won't fire off a, a dying to be honest with you, because I got myself into a situation where I was just in so much of a depressive state where I'd go out and I'd film and people just see me as this this happy guy. Mm. So you know, I went out and I enjoy my takeaway. I enjoy filming. I enjoy the interaction with people. Uh, and what I enjoy most is the fact that people come and say that I've helped them through difficult times because they've sit and watched me and, and you yeah. know some people have said that you know the instances that I've had in my life how have I been able to sit there and do what I'm doing uh, the truth of the matter is is because that was the only part of, the only bit of joy I had in my life at the time yeah the rest of it I would just go home and I'd, I'd feed my kids and see my kids and then I'd lay on the sofa and drift in and out of sleep and Kids would be there and they'd be coming in, you're all right, Dad? And I'd just be like, yeah, and I wouldn't interact with them much. I wouldn't do much. Uh, and I sort of lost a year in my life, to be honest, especially with my children. And it, 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 it's difficult now because I've got to try and get that back. Uh, Don't you think that's something, like I said, like, um, it's, it's, it's a very unselfish way to live as well, isn't it? Yeah. Like the fact that even if you are struggling, which you, you are, um, your job is just to go out and cause people to have happiness. Yeah. And it's it's very rare sometimes. Well, I thought this as well when I, well, with me, that was very rare that some, a lot of people say, now then, Danny, it's, it's literally, there's Danny, he's famous, let's have a photo with Danny, um, and then we watch him. But it's not how many people come up and give you a cuddle and say, how are you doing? Is there what you yeah. need? Is there what I can do for you? But it's the way you live your life. It's like nothing to do with me or, or, or taking off your story, but when I was filming Interceptors, it was watched worldwide, and it was at the point it was Channel 5's highest grossing program yeah. and highest viewed program. And I was dying inside. Yeah. But people want to come, want to have photographs, autographs, and oh, yeah, I love you on TV. But it's like you said then, but you just go home and I will cry myself to sleep. Yeah. But like for you there as well to do that, there's something special in you as a person where you can give yourself, not thinking about your own mental health and your own welfare, yeah. but you can give yourself to members of the public and you're not wanting anything back. Yeah, and, and that's the thing. It, that's that's what I found to be honest. That that's what sort of got me through, you know, the days because I know when I did my, my first meet and greet, and it's it's one of the things that stick in memory. And I've, I've told Sophie so many times about 
this old lady that come and I, and I was doing it for Macmillan, so trying to raise awareness for Macmillan, and I, it was you know a free meet and greet, and then people come and just put a donation in box. Yeah. Uh, and this this lady comes. She must have been what eighty five year old, and she comes skipping along, and she sat down at the side of me, and she says, "Do you know what? This is absolutely." made my life, my dream has come true, seeing you, this is it, the last thing on my bucket list, and I'm like, what are you about, and she says, well I've only got a couple of weeks left to live, because oh. I'm terminally ill with cancer, and I could see there was a bloke, and he was just stood there in absolute streams of tears, and it was a son, and I, I just, I thought, what, what am I doing, what am I doing here, yeah. and I couldn't help myself but be drawn to him, so yeah. I, I went to him and asked if it were alright, I asked what he was doing and he was saying he was just going to go get his mum a cup of tea and then he was just going to have a walk around. So I asked him to come back and I broke off the, the meet and greet for 10 minutes and I just sat with him and I said, I asked him how he was. Yeah. Uh, and if he got support and he hadn't. And I said, right, go see this bloke from McMillan because it's not just for your mum, it's yeah. for you as well. And I went home that night and, and I'm sat and I'm thinking to myself, I'm sat here and I'm wallowing in self-pity, thinking what am I going to do? And this woman has just skipped along to me to see me. And it's the happiest thing that she said she's ever done. And that sort of geared me up and, and made me go out and, and, and get a bit of thing. And, and I'd just met Sophie probably about three days before. And if I'm honest with you, I sort of think that that situation changed something in my head on the perception of what I was doing. Yeah. And led me to do to do where I am now, uh, you know, Plucking the courage up to say, hey, do you fancy a drink? Do you know what I mean? Do you fancy going for a coffee and all that? Because before that, I was just I, I was just in a shell. Uh, but like you say, you know, you, you go out there like you, you and you, you're doing your filming and, you, and you're speaking to people, but then you're going home and you don't know what day it is, you don't know what you're doing and, and your mind starts playing tricks on you and you, you think, oh. and and it's like now, I still I still do it now, I still get it now. And, you know, there's, there's times when I sit there and think, oh, what, what is going on? Uh, but, but luckily... I've I've got a safety blanket now, which is which is Sophie, and I've got somebody that I can talk to and and who can relate to what what I'm going through, and I think that's the thing. And a lot of people think so. Like the difference between the three of us, obviously, you you you've been involved in the incidents, you've seen some traumatic things, and then you've been reporting on these traumatic things, and you've had access to some of the you know the privy information that you've got, but then you're not going to give it to people like me. And then I've been on the other end of it where. You know, people that have possibly been involved in these situations, or family members that have then sat and been watching me on a video and, and getting them through this 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 time. You know, it's and and I don't know. So like that, you know, there was this one woman who I knew, and she was an absolute diamond, and it was my mate's mum, and uh, she she passed away a couple of years ago, and it, it was awful. And at the funeral, his wife came up to me and said, "Do you, do you know what happened?" And I went, passed away and actually in hospital she was watching one of my videos smiling her head off and I didn't I'm know not laughing yeah, I didn't it's, know how, it's but, like it's so warming it's, yeah but I didn't yeah. know how to take it I thought you know what the hell have I done that but she, she was so happy yeah. and you know her kids were there my mate were there and you know it's that, that, that sort of gives you that little bit of joyness so then yeah. when you think of it like that so like what you're doing on TV you know it's giving people joyness and then what you're doing with, with reporting and Doing us is giving people the information what they need to, you know, be happy, be sad, just to to be who they want to be. And then with me, what I do, you know, some people like it, some people don't. Uh, but I think what I've sort of got from this conversation is that 
no matter what you do, no matter what job you do, everybody, uh, you know, will, will suffer at some point. Everybody will be a little bit down. Everybody will, will, will suffer. And we just need to talk a bit more. Damn right, yeah. We need to express, and I'm getting that from the Hogwarts over there, express, but express how we're feeling. You know, if, if, if a situation is making you feel uncomfortable, talk to people. But, but the main thing is, if you're somebody that somebody goes to, listen. Yeah. Give advice. Try and think of things that's happened to you in your life and how you've dealt with it. So... And I think just to add to that as well, you really, like, well pointed out how we all have a kind of sense of duty in our jobs, and I think everyone can experience that in jobs, in roles in life, whether it be as parents, carers, whatever it is, you feel that sense of duty. But then we often can forget when other people have a sense of duty that that might be just their professional mask. And that, like, I know how we treat journalists, for example, we love nothing more than exposing a journalist because we see them as the bad guys, very much like the police. Some people love you and see that you're there to actually promote justice and hold those in power to account. But other people think you're the worst thing on the world and you deserve every, like, disgrace. Nobody nobody likes to be told what to do. It's as simple as that. There's no human being that likes to be said, do this, don't do that. And that's the issue. You've got some people that, with respect to police, a lot, even fire service or doctors, when, even with doctors and nurses, when they say, oh, we need to do that, well, I'm not having that. You know, yeah. I'm not having that, that, that bloody COVID jab because that's going to send me daft. You know, people don't like to be told what to do. And, and then, you know, they then put a stigmatism on, on other people and other things. And, it, it, you know, it's something that we just need to get over, I think. And, and, you know, if people are telling you not to do something, there's a reason behind it. Exactly. It's danger. Danger. We should all have flashing red lights saying danger. <laughs> just as a bit of a takeaway, though, from, from us all, I was just wondering, obviously, I know you've retired now from the police force anyway, and you, Dan, you still do your YouTube, but how in all that sense of duty and that purpose it also gives you and that duty you have to whether it be to entertain people on your food reviews or to look after people in society... How do you kind of combine that now um, with letting that duty go? So when you need that break, how do you take that time out? Oh, you go first, Dan. <laughs> so for me, I think it goes back to what I was saying about what I used to be like, lying around, not doing anything, to now being involved, having a family. We've got married, we've got a baby on the way, you know, we've got a blended family with the kids. And it's... You know, I've become more active. So when I'm doing things with the family now, I'm enjoying it more because I can see the enjoyment and, and that's what I like out of life. I like to see people happy. So I think for me, when I get to a point where I'm feeling a little bit down, I need to try and think about what's what's going good and then embrace that and, 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 and focus on that. And, and that sort of pulls me out of the, 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 the place. But also, I, I do need to talk to somebody about it. Because if I don't, it's going to eat me up inside. So yeah. talk to somebody, get it out, and then for me, look at what's positive and push on. Yeah, that's brilliant, is that? Um, as, as for me, I, I, I don't know really, because there's a lot of times I'm in a grey area. Um, one of the things I do try and do to ease my mind and give myself a bit of a flat plateau um, and pull myself back to reality is that I like riding my motorbike. I like going for, for spins on my bike. I just like to surround myself with positive people. I try and get everyone that's negative or get any sort of like negative vibes out of my life completely. 
because I always say if you're not going to bring anything to to me that's positive and it doesn't have to be anything big it can be literally a now then how are you doing and then I'll say yeah, yeah I'm all right and no how are you really doing just to ask twice it's a little bit of positivity but if someone goes oh x y and z I'm like I don't need that because life's so hard it's yeah. so negative I- I- anyway when it's not hard to bring goodness to people's lives so I always say if you want to be with me if you want to be around me and if, if you want to be part of what's going on just be nice be kind be positive yeah. and if you're not and then sometimes I get overwhelmed with that I'll take a step back and if I take a step back I'll say right I'm not interested today. I'm going to get on my bike. I'm going to have a me day. Um, like I said, spend it with kids. Have a bit of wrestle time. Have a bit of this, that, and other. Yeah. And then I'll go back to my phone. I might have 40 emails, 40 messages, or whatever. I'll reply it next day. I'll give myself that day to breathe. I'll give myself that day to recenter myself. And I think everyone should have that little bit of um, thought about yourself. It's not selfish to think about yourself. It's not oh, selfish not to switch yourself off sometimes and say, look... I'm working 80 hours a week. I need a break from this, that, and other. I need this. Because I think everyone that's in a good relationship, say like yourself, if you see one person struggling, you can pull it back and say, look, go spend some time with your friends. Go treat yourself. Go do this. Go do that. Have a day in October. Do, do. And it, I think that's what works on a good balanced relationship. You're seeing that other person, knowing yeah. that other person's having a bit of a struggle uh, and allow them to have that time to breathe. But I think if you other way around and you put pressure on yourselves all the time, I think that's the when you, you realise I'm going to break here, and I need sometimes I need that little bit of a, a yeah. gap for myself. Um, and I, what I like to do is, um, and it's not about being the be all and end all, but I like to t- sometimes take that pressure off people if if they are. So I always say my DMs are always open. I always say contact me because yeah. a lot of times there's a lot of people out there that can't speak, and then people will be looking at you, Danny, and we're saying, "What? I, I, I know they might not have never met you. Might not have never met you. That's good English, isn't it?" Might never have met you, but they might feel that they've, they've, they've watched you that much that they've got a they connection know, with you. Yeah. So and they'll and send you a message. Yeah. I get that. Like, people come up to me in the street and they're like, hey, Danny, how you doing, pal? Oh, I watched you the other day. You were great. And I, I, I've never seen them before in my life. Yeah. But they feel like they know me because they've, they've got that connection. Uh, and like just going back to like what you were saying about like the relationship and, and, the, and the thing, one of the things for me as well was, Obviously, me, me and Sophie, we got criticised quite a lot in the beginning of our relationship for whatever reasons. You know, obviously, we, we put, we put, I put my life on social media. That's yeah. what I do. I'm out there, so I expect to be judged. I expect people to have opinions. Uh, and, and obviously, me and Sophie spoke about this when when we first got together. And you know, some of some people's opinions are pretty nasty. Yeah. Uh, and you know that that when you're looking on that side of being in social media, that can turn you put you into a, de- a depressive state. Uh, but how I saw it with that is, you know, I look at it and try and turn it into a positive. And what people don't realise, a lot of the things like that were said were that, that Sophie was a money grabber, that she's a gold digger. Now, if I'm totally honest with you, all right, she's ne- she's never asked me for a penny, all right. But I would give every penny I have to feel the way that I do right now, That's because good as well. money is nothing. Yeah. But love and happiness is everything. Yeah. And the way that I was to what I am now, if I had to pay for that, I would pay for it for everyone. Yeah. Because, you know, if I could, because nobody wants to be in the state that, that I were in and to be brought out of that by such a lovely person. You know, people can say what they want and they can have their opinions and I respect that that opinion. But I know the truth. Yeah. I'm I'm living with it. 
uh, you know, there's a lot of things between me and Sophie that's gone on that we don't even disclose to people. There's a lot of things in our life that people don't even know about because, you know, yeah, we do put ourselves out there, but I would say probably 20% of what's going on in our life is what's common knowledge. The other 80% is absolute carnage. Yeah. And we get through it together because it being together has made us stronger. And I think that, you know, be that somebody that, that you love, somebody that you're with, be it a family member, a friend, support group like Andy's Man Club, it is something that, People need do not sit on your own. Fester in these things that's going on. Get out there, talk to people. But then, like you said, I respect what you said about putting sort of boundaries in place. Where if it gets to a certain point for you, you're going to withdraw yourself because that's going to have an impact on you. So whoever's talking to you, if I come to you and I'm I'm offloading on you, right? I would respect the fact if you said to me, right, Dan. I understand what you're going through. You know. Try and get you some help, but this is impacting me now. So can I take a step back? I I would respect that, mm. and I I would think, do you know what? Because I know you've listened. Yeah, that's the thing. When somebody says, "I've had enough," I need to take a step back. That's because they're listening to yeah. you. That's because it's touching a nerve, and you're getting them emotional, or, or you're getting them thinking of some of what they they've been through. So I respect that. I, I think that's a great thing to be to be saying, and it's not saying I'm going to ignore you. It's saying. I've been there, I've been you know, similar, this is going to trigger me off. We need to get some help together. Yeah. Or you, need to get, you know what I mean? So I, know I respect that. And I think just to finish it off and close up, that's like brought me on to the perfect point, is, is having those cheerleaders, those allies beside you who go, like, how can I help you? Not ex- expect that what helps me fitness every morning, that won't help you. You need Certainly something else. Yeah, <laughs> you need something else because we're all so different. So Sophie does the fitness and I chill out in the, in the hot yeah. tub. Lay there. Oh, that's my mate shouting. So we're going to have to wrap it up. Yeah. I just want to say thank you very much, Ben, for coming along. Thank and, you for and joining me. today. It's, it's been amazing. Check out Ben's channel. What, what, what What's it called on YouTube? Uh, if you just put in Benjamin Pearson or Benjamin Pearson, it's yeah. on YouTube. It's one that comes up. It's I will warn you guys, just... Uh, Take it easy because it's some of it on there is, is quite heartbreaking as well. And to, yeah. to, to see you as a person talk about these things is quite heartbreaking. So thank you very much. And we'll be back with you next week. What is it? Love. Yeah. Peace, love and shimmy. Yeah. <laughs> Sparkles.